Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. We're glad you've tuned in for this Bible study today. Pray it's going to be a blessing to you. Uh, we're talking about the inheritance of the overcomer, and it is to encourage every Christian everywhere to fight the good fight of faith, to gain the victory that has has been granted to us through the cross and through Christ on that cross. Praise God. Amen. That we might inherit all that God has purposed and promised to give us and and to give us a holy incentive uh, to to really do what Paul said he said he said forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth to the things that are before I press toward the mark strain forward put forth a real personal effort and commitment I I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. Praise God. So we want you to have a holy incentive to go against the grain, against the wind, to be an upstream Christian in a downstream world. Praise God. And press on because Christ is coming soon and His reward is with Him to give unto every man according as His work shall be. Well, we want to receive the full blessing and benefit of the inheritance that God has bequeathed unto us. Praise God. Amen. This belongs to us today, but it is obtained by overcoming. Praise God. The overcomer will be saved from eternal banishment and punishment. This is the second uh, second element that I want to talk about today that is so very, very important. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 11 says, He that overcometh will not be hurt of the second death. We're talking about the inheritance of the overcomer. And this is one of the great, wonderful blessings. And it's an essential blessing. It's not one of those blessings that, well, I, I, I need that, but I'm not going to really fight to obtain that. Honey, this is worth fighting for. You can't afford uh, to not be a person who has received Christ as their Savior and is partaking of Him. Amen. We are made partakers of Christ, the Scripture said, if we keep the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Friend of mine, I want you to know that the faithful believer in Christ will not experience the terrible fate of the wicked. Through Christ's sacrifice, we've escaped the second death. That's what I want you to underscore here today. Revelation Chapter 2 and verse 11. He that overcometh will not be hurt of the second death. And Revelation chapter 20, jumping forward, and verse 6. It said, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. 
On such the second death hath no power. The most horrifying scene in biblical writ is the description of the resurrection of the wicked to be consigned to eternal punishment and banishment with Satan and his angels. Revelation 20 and verse 10 continues, and it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the books, plural, according to their works. Remember, when Jesus comes, I will reward every man according as his work shall be. Listen, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell gave up the dead which were in them. The grave will give up the dead that was dead and buried and they that were judged and they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whatsoever was not found or whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. These are the unbelievers who must be banished and punished for their sins. The sin of unbelief kept them from saving faith. I want to say that again. This is the greatest sin of all the, all the books contain every violation. Sin is transgression of the law. Iniquity in us is what causes us to pursue sin and darkness instead of light but remember in Isaiah 53 he was wounded for our transgressions amen and he was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him all we like sheep have gone astray but God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all it is a refusal to believe and receive Christ as our Savior. This sin of unbelief kept them from saving faith. And listen to what it says in Revelation 21 in verse 8. It says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone, the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, or the lake of fire, which is the second death. I want to go back once again to show you the value of this statement. Revelation 2 and verse 11. He that overcometh will not be hurt of the second death. Praise God. Amen. Friend of mine, you know, 
what we've been saved to is a, is a wonderful incentive. I mean, gates of pearl, come on, foundations of precious stones, streets of pure gold, uh, a glorified body, fashioned like unto Christ's body when He rose from the dead, an eternal existence in an eternal place with eternal people forever, age without end, no more sickness, no more death. That's all about heaven, where we're headed. So there is a heaven to gain. But if that isn't enough incentive, if you're feeling the pressure to go drifting, or if you've been called to salvation and you feel like it'll cost me my sin and it's not worth it, oh, friend of mine, the other incentive should be not just the glories of heaven, but the horrors of hell. And if you think that wasn't part of the Apostle's perspective when he preached to win souls, he said, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. There was something driving Paul, and it wasn't a vision to build this, this, we want big churches, we want them full of saved people. We want sinners saved. We don't just want people to meet budgets to to be success symbols in our churches. We need pastors with hearts that beat to see people come to know Jesus as their Savior and escape the wrath to come. Amen. To not be heard of the second death is a blessing that is beyond all description. I'm going to say that again. To not be heard of the second death. If, if heaven isn't enough incentive to, to fight the good fight of faith, to commit ourselves to follow Jesus no matter what, we have the alternative to heaven and the only other place to go because everybody's, you know, you don't hear a lot about this. Everybody's going to be resurrected. We, we hear about the resurrection of the, of the Christians uh, and the dead in Christ, but we don't hear often about the resurrection of the unjust and the unsaved. We hear a lot about heaven. We hear little about hell. In fact, some things we hear about hell is absolutely untrue, and that is that there is no hell that a good and loving God would not send anyone under any circumstance, no matter what they've done. But that is not what the Bible teaches, and that is not the scene that John is being seen. Now, in my heart, I cannot comprehend, I cannot possibly imagine missing heaven and going to this place. I know one thing. I know Jesus knew about it, and He described it. He described it in a way that, that we still can't comprehend, but we can get a little bit of an understanding that this place where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. John Wesley, famous 18th century preacher, said the moment the soul drops the body and stands naked before God, it cannot but know what its portion shall be to all eternity. It will have full in its view either everlasting joy or everlasting punishment. Did you know this message 
is absolutely not what's not not what is the is the focus and i i, I don't want to just talk about hell all the time i don't but i don't believe heaven alone is enough incentive when the world is so strongly influencing so many people today there's so many people putting off salvation because they they they're going to have to make changes in their life and they love their addictions that that's why they don't want to go, uh, like the the pop singer said. Uh, oh no, I won't go. Uh, it's talking about going to rehab. I, I I love my addiction. I'm I I'm not looking to get delivered from it. I need it more than I need life itself. And when you see a a young, vibrant person so addicted to sin sin and self and Satan and drugs through that, that they would rather die young, rather die young than to give up that particular sin, that habit, or that vice. Let me read what John Wesley said again. The moment the soul drops the body and stands naked before God, it cannot but know what its portion shall be to all eternity. Oh, it will have full in its view either everlasting joy or everlasting punishment. You know, the only thing people talk about today that even alludes to what the Scriptures teach is we, we, will, we will just be separated from God. We'll just be separate. No, we're not. We are separated from God. Our sins have separated us from Him until Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood to reconcile us to Him. And the Bible said if we're not reconciled to Him, then the wrath, justifiable anger from a just and holy God abides on us. How could a loving God do that? Well, let me tell you what the loving God has done. The loving God has given us His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And friend of mine, this is not just about being separated from God throughout eternity. This is about being banished from His presence, separated, yes, but also punished throughout all eternity. A.W. Tozer put it this way, The vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly opiate for the conscience of millions. I want to read that again. The, the vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly opiate for the consciousness of millions. You see, friend of mine, there's only two places for you to spend eternity. You're going to live forever. You're, you're, you're going to live forever. You're not just going in the ground, go to sleep, never wake up, and that's the end of it. The Bible said clearly, it's appointed once unto man to die. And after this, the judgment. But God has on record is saying in His Word, it's not His will that any perish, but that all have eternal life, and everlasting life. It's not His will 
to banish and punish. It's not what He desires. It's not what He wants. So He's given us a Savior. He sent us His only begotten Son to take our place on the cross, to be punished for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And then the Scripture says, of that event and how we respond to that event and that truth. So very clearly, how shall we escape? How shall we escape the judgment if we neglect such a great salvation as this? The love expressed at the cross that is spurned in order to choose Satan over Jesus and darkness over light and sin over a loving God's desire to forgive you. Oh, how you had astonished Jesus, didn't it? He said, And what would a man give in exchange for his soul? What would a man give? In other words, he says, You don't understand. You don't understand what, what you are, are giving up. And what is it? What is it in your life that you deem more important? than where you spend eternity. What sin? You're not going to stay here forever. You can't enjoy that forever. You can't indulge in that forever. What's going to happen when you pull your last breath in and you breathe out and your spirit leaves your body? Well, John Wesley said, according to the Scripture, the moment the soul drops the body, and stands naked before God, it cannot but know what its portion shall be to all eternity. It will have full in its view either everlasting joy or everlasting punishment. A friend of mine, this is, this is what motivated Paul, knowing the terror of the Lord, he said, knowing how awful it will be to stand before God. And the books be opened. And, and everyone whose name is not written in the book of life. We call it the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Everyone is going to have the same judgment as the devil and his angels, the false prophet and the antichrist. It's called this lake of fire. Scripture views each human being as a person with an eternal destiny. There will be a resurrection of the saved and of the unsaved, of the saved and the lost. Resurrected individuals will be self-conscious, aware persons, destined for an eternal existence. That endless life will be lived in the presence of God or will be alienated from Him. So it comes down to something that we, we don't like to deal with, we don't like to face. But the issue at hand when the gospel is preached is a heaven or hell issue. If we, if we take hell from that, then we might as well take heaven from it. Because if hell isn't real, then heaven isn't real. But if heaven is real, hell is real as well. 
And these are issues that are not brought forward. We're in, a, we're in a world that is vying for your mind, your attention, your heart, your affections, that wants to show you things so, in, so uh, pleasing and, and, and so seductive to our weak flesh that there are people considering, you know, if I come to Jesus, I'm going to have to give up this. I'm going to have to give up that. I'm, I'm going to have to... Listen, if you come to Jesus, if you really come to Christ as your Savior, and you say, it's going to be worth it, and besides all that, when He comes in, the things that you thought you needed to be fulfilled and happy, you're going to find out you didn't need those things in the first place. Amen. He said, my, my, my body is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eats of my body and drinks of, we're not talking about cannibalism. We're not, we're not talking about literal, we're talking about a spiritual partaking of Christ. We find food for our soul. We find drink for our soul. He that comes to him will never hunger and will never thirst. You know, there's a story of a woman who came to Jacob's well, and Jesus was weary. He had a human body. He was God incarnate, God in flesh. And he told his disciples, he said, you go on into the city in John's Gospel, chapter 4. I'm going to sit here in the shade of this well, and, and I'm just tired. I'm bone tired. Go get something for us to eat. Go get us some meat, literally, whatever there was to eat, not just a steak or, or something of animal. It could have been vegetable. It could have been bread and cheese. It could have been a lot of things. But he sat down. He needed nourishment, and he needed rest. And a woman came to draw water from the well. And he said, woman, give me something to drink. Draw me some water. And she was shocked that he, being a Jew, would talk to her. Because she was not a Jew. She was part of all non-Jews, a Gentile. And they had nothing to do with them. And here's this, obviously to her, holy man, talking to her, even asking her to serve him, shocked her that he would have anything to do with her. And she had a past, just like we all had before we came to Christ as our Savior. And he said, woman, if you knew who it was that, that said unto you, give me to drink, you would ask of me, and I would give you living water, and you would never thirst again. And friend of mine, I want you to know everyone who is thirsty for something in life and they can't find it, I want you to know you can find it, but only in Christ. You can't find it in, 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 in sexual, uh, sexual perversions. You can't find it in adultery. You can't find it in riches. You can't find it in pleasures. You can't find it in drunkenness. And you can't find it in drugs. But Jesus said, I know what you're looking for. And I can tell you how to find it. He said, if you draw water from this well, you're going to thirst again. You're going to keep coming back over and over and over and over. But if you knew who it was that said, give me to drink, you would ask of me and I'd give you living water and you would never thirst again. You see, it's not, not just a reality of hell. It's the fact 
that not only do you get heaven for eternity and escape hell, but you get the fulfillment in this life that the devil says, I can give you that through this. He's a liar. He's the father of it. He will take you deeper into sin, deeper into bondage. You know, someone said it, and I believe this is so true. Sin will take you, take you where you really didn't want to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it'll refuse to let you go when you say, I've had enough. A friend of mine, the devil can refuse all he wants to. But the blood has been shed for you. The cross is past tense. Jesus has died to set you free. And the moment that you change your mind and say, Lord, I want you. I want you. I need your forgiveness. I need your help to break free. He, the Bible said that, that He can break every chain in your life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's the real deal. It is a reality. It's not just getting religion. It's getting a relationship with God that all of heaven's resources become yours to break those chains and go free to serve the living and true God instead of the God of this fallen world, the devil. Praise God. You know, I love one evangelist. I love his attitude. When he went to preach in Africa, Reinhard Bonnke, he said, we're going to plunder hell and populate heaven. Praise God. Well, we have to plunder hell to populate heaven in the sense of the devil's influence. Scripture said the God of this world has blinded the minds of men. Yes, lest they see the glory of the gospel and be saved. And what God wants you to see today, if you don't know Christ, is the glory of the gospel and be saved. It's not His will that any perish, but that all come to repentance and have eternal life. I want you to know that today. Amen. God, God is angry at sin, but He loves the sinner. And He wants to forgive us. He wants to pardon our sin. He wants to be rec reconcile us unto Himself. To wit, God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. Praise God. So He offers you the assurance of eternal life in heaven instead of eternal banishment and punishment in hell. And He offers you, while you're here right now, freedom from those chains that hold you in bondage. There are people right now that alcohol is going to take your family it's going to crush your relationship with your children, your wife, and you're going to look back on it and, and say, I chose the bottle over my wife. I chose the bottle or the, or the, the hypodermic needle, the shot, or, or, or the, uh, whatever drug by pill, any other way. I chose that. And it's taken all the good things, all the real good things out of my life. Oh, friend of mine, if your eyes come open today, you're going to see heaven sweet, that there's a heaven to gain, and there is indeed a hell to shun. And there's a Jesus who stands ready to forgive your every sin and to give you what you have looked for through these, these lies from the enemy, these phony things that He offers to fulfill you. 
that will just lead you into deeper and deeper bondage. Ah, friend of mine. You know, Jesus told the woman at the well, He said, you know, let me tell you about your life. You've had five husbands. You're living with a man who isn't your husband. No wonder she was shocked. Not only was she not a Jew, but she also had a, a real checkered past and looked down on upon society. Here's a holy man asking for a drink, and now he's talking to her about her life and her soul. And he says, he says, woman, in spite of all you may have done or are doing, I'm offering you something today as an alternative. I know what you're really after. You don't know, but I know. You come to this well, drink water, it's going to temporarily satisfy you. But you're going to have to come back over and over and over and over. And that's what you've been looking for in your life. You're looking for love literally in all the wrong places. But he said, if you knew who it was that said, give me to drink, I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. (sighs) She said, sir, give me then this water. Praise God. Amen. And what transpired at that well, she came back into her community and she began to tell what Christ had done for her. And she was so convincing. This woman with this kind of past was so convincing. The change had been so radical and so relevant that that community come out to hear him. Hallelujah, praise God. And she simply said, come and see a man. And briefly it says, who told me everything I ever did. But see, that's not the whole story, is it? Yes, he told her, but he's not a soothsayer. He's not a psychic. No, he told her that in light of what he offered her. And that is reconciliation to God and the fulfillment that that relationship can bring you. Amen. Hallelujah. When you when you drink of this living water, you're not going to thirst for something else that will lead you into sin and bondage. And you can have a fulfilling life here and eternal life with Him there. Honey, that's a win-win any way you look at it today. And I pray that if you've listened to this point and if you're listening right now, I know that you have. I know what God is doing I know what He's saying to your heart and to your life right here, right now in this holy moment. He's saying, come unto Me. Come unto Me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Come unto Me. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. Hallelujah. Come today to Christ. Don't run from Him. Let Him forgive your sin. Let Him seal you with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. Let Him give you today living water that you will never, ever, ever thirst again. And the day you decide to do that, hell can't hold you back. Satan's influence over you and over this sin-darkened world can't keep any person from coming to Jesus. God will make sure that no demon, 
no legion of devils, and the devil himself can't keep you in prison any longer if you choose to be free. So come to Christ today. Don't run from Him. Run to Him so that He can say unto you what He said in Revelation 2 and verse 11, He that overcometh will not be hurt of the second death. Oh, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Oh, friend, come to Christ. And Christian, when you are tempted, when you are pulled by the pull of this world, remember, Remember what you've been saved from and what you've been called to and get back in the race and run with patience, perseverance, the race that is set before you in Jesus' name.